0: everybody welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I am bringing you the weekend warm-up. This is episode seven of the latest series that we've started here at Bavarian Podcast Works. I hope you guys are enjoying this. Uh, I've gotten a lot of good feedback uh, with the number of downloads and with some of the comments and the people that have reached out to me on social media and whatnot. So keep uh, keep listening and uh, hopefully we're producing the content that you want to hear. Uh, you know, let's just get right to it this week. I mean, this was a big week in the history of Bayern Munich. Uh, I think what we've learned this week is that Julian Nagelsmann has come in and he is looking to establish himself firmly as the new boss and i have to say i'm impressed with a lot of what he's done so far the way he's talked to and handled the media uh it seems like he's got a good grasp on exactly how bright the spotlight will be in bavaria and i think he's done a really good job of not just answering the questions but showing the personal side of himself and i know that we poke some fun at some of his uh his taste with food this week as he uh, he had talked about on an Instagram live uh, Q&A session about his love of Hawaiian pizza and meatloaf and the fact that he prefers Hefeweizen over Pilsner. Uh, so I guess those are some pretty controversial takes. Uh, also, uh, he tends to eat uh, sausage in a couple of different ways and adapts to whatever uh, crowd he is with. So he's sort of a chameleon of sausage eating uh, for however you want to take that. But uh, uh, just quickly on the Hawaiian pizza thing, I, I personally have not tried it. Now, I have seen it. I've been in many pizza places where they've had one out there. And it's been clear that there are, there is a crowd out there that likes Hawaiian pizza. And for my part, I like, I like pineapples. I like ham. I like pizza. I, I kind of think I would probably like it. So now the next time I see it, I'm going to have to try it. Uh, And then I will come back and give you my review on it. Uh, I I know this is a very controversial topic here. I mean, I'm from just outside of Philadelphia. So pizza is serious business here as it is in, say, New York or uh, an area like New Haven, Connecticut or Chicago. Uh, These are all places that take their pizza very seriously. Uh, They also have some world famous and renowned pizza places. So uh, the thought of Hawaiian pizza to some is very off-putting. I'm not gonna out and out bash it. I I don't know, I haven't tried it. So I I will at some point, the next time I am am in a pizza place where they have it, I will pick up a slice and I will try it. Uh, (laughs) And I'll let you know (laughs) how how that goes, but uh, Obviously, Nagelsmann, being able to relate to people and tell little stories like that, I think it builds a bond with fans that is very tough to achieve if you're not willing to open yourself up. And to me, that was very key uh, for Nagelsmann as he's come in here. Uh, Everyone knows he's considered a brilliant tactician, that he's considered one of the brightest young minds in all of football in terms of coaching and tactics and strategy. And I think that, yeah, none of that was ever in question, but how how he would be able to handle everything in Bavaria. Obviously, he is a hometown boy. This is where he grew up, and the pressure is always on uh, a coach that returns to his home, for lack of a better term, hometown, um, to ply his trade. While it seems like it might be an ideal situation, it doesn't always work out that way. But for Nagelsmann, it seems like he's acclimated himself very nicely. Uh, We did see the Sport Build Report come out this week where he talked to the players and addressed some of the, what I would say are hot topics about the team in terms of what formation they might use, how players will be used. Um, So, uh, you know, just the fact that he got out in front of that as well, if the Sport Build Report is to be believed, uh, it's impressive that he's been able to really get out in front of these issues and address them and I think put a lot of people at ease. And I'm not just talking about fans. I'm talking about players. I'm talking about the front office. While, you know, Ali Oliver Kahn and Herbert Hayner, they might have had a lot of confidence in what Julian Nagelsmann can do and what he's capable of as a coach. Um, you know, the fact that he's come in and he started to – build these relationships with fans and work with the media like he has and obviously also start to work with the players like this. I think this is really impressive in that he has uh he's done everything that you could want after one week, especially at a time where he's missing basically all of his stars because they're all on break after the Euros and of course all of them are already eliminated uh as we head into the final weekend of the Euros. So Uh, You know, if I had to uh, to look at everything that Nagelsmann has done this week, I would say the biggest thing that that I think, uh, you know, he addressed and that was at the forefront of everyone's mind was the formation because we had heard over and over again that Nagelsmann was going to come in with his back three formation. He was going to overhaul what has been a tried and true four, two, three, one that has worked, uh, you know, to great success. Uh, over the years at Bayern Munich and it seems like Nagelsmann, while he did not completely rule out using a back three at times, it seems like he's not going to come in and make any rampant changes. He's going to stick to that back four. Now he didn't specifically call out a 4-2-3-1, but I think at this point it's pretty safe to say uh, with the personnel that he has and, and along with some of the statements that he made about using players in their preferred positions, I would think that that means Yashua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka, assuming Goretzka is still around, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, are going to be playing that double pivot, and it would I think it's safe to assume that players like Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Muller are going to make up the offensive end uh, of that formation, with Muller obviously playing as the ten and Lewandowski as the striker. From there, uh, it's kind of a crapshoot. I I would assume with the back four. Benjamin Pavar will be able to stay at right back and fill that role quite capably. I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of his in terms of how he plays, and I think he's very consistent. And I think after uh, you know an injury plagued first part of last season, he was very very good. Uh, Alfonso Davies should be anchored in at left back, but as we saw in some news today, Davies suffered an ankle injury. Of course. Uh, while playing for Canada as the team prepared for the Gold Cup, so not only will Davies miss the Gold Cup, but he has left North America and he is heading back to Germany, where he will work with Bayern's team uh, to help get him back uh, up and ready. And hopefully, he'll be back in the lineup in time for the start of the Bundesliga season. As of now, it doesn't seem like that ankle injury is anything serious. Typically, with you know, when when an injury like that goes down. If it's bad, we usually hear something. Uh, this was pretty vague, so I would assume, uh, you know, that it's not that serious. But again, we don't know for sure exactly what the uh, the level of that injury is. But uh, you know, the fact that Negelsman was able to come in and make that statement and kind of you know talk about why he wanted to have flexibility to move to a back three uh, on occasion if he needed to. Uh, I think that that opens uh, it, it opens things up for him to be able to do that once in a while. Whether that means he tries that in a Pokal match, or in a you know Champions League group league stage, or against some of the lower rung teams in the Bundesliga, it's possible that uh, Nagelsmann could break something like that that out. And, and the big thing he emphasized was he wants his players to be flexible. And the good thing for him is that in Bavaria he has nothing but flexible players. If you think about it. Uh, Kimmich, obviously, being one of the great examples of that, you could probably play him at any position on the pitch, and he would do well. Uh, you have players like Benjamin Pavar, and Nicholas Sula, uh, Alfonso Davies, who can all slide around in and out and play a couple of different roles if you need them to. So I, I'm not as much worried about the back three as I was a couple of weeks ago, because I did think that was a valid concern. And I think just looking at the personnel that the team had, it wouldn't have shocked me if he tried that back three. But as we know, he is going to at least start with a back four, if we can believe him at this point and probably every now and again, switch to a back three, just to keep other teams guessing. So all in all great first week for Julian Nagelsmann And I think, uh, you know, I think he's given everyone a lot of reason to be excited about his presence on Sabaner Strasa. And one of the (laughs) interesting rumors that we saw coming out of this week was that uh, that Nagelsmann might have some interest in one of his old charges, uh, Spain's own Danny Olmo. And of course, Danny Olmo is a very talented player as an attacker. He is a he is one of the players at Arbe Leipzig who can not only play as a an attacking midfielder but he can also slide out wide and play wing which I think is pretty key and as we just talked about with that versatility Danny Olmo is a player that can provide you with that he's very creative he's got some speed he's a good passer and I think that one of the things that is great about him is he's always looking to create offense and With Nagelsmann already being comfortable with Almo, uh, it would seem like, hey, that's a natural fit. So why wouldn't Bayern just give RB Leipzig another call for the third time in a year and say, hey, we want to bring in Almo, what's he going to cost? Well, what we know, according to Sky Sports, is that Almo will cost about 80 million euros. So I don't think Bayern Munich is going to dig deep into its pockets and pull that kind of loot out for Danny Almo. And I believe that's a release clause, at least from what we know right now. So uh, it seems very unlikely that a move would happen this season. But again, if things get fully back to normal in Germany and they are able to start to draw in more and more live crowds at games, and if at some point over the course of this season they can get back to full capacity, I wouldn't rule out something for next season. But, ah, like any good story, there is a twist. While Nagelsmann does like Danny Almo and would love to have him with Bayern Munich, there's another player that Julian Nagelsmann would love to have even a little bit more and that is a guy who has previously been linked to Bayern Munich and who has really done well for himself this summer at the Euros playing for Italy. We're talking about winger Federico Chiesa who has been excellent. I would say he's been one of Italy's best players. I think he's been their most clutch player. We all know that he is he's been excellent in his young career. At 23 years old. He is a true winger. Uh, he is a right footer who loves to be able to cut into his left foot. And I think that that ability to play inverted probably appeals to Julian Nagelsmann and Bayern Munich alike. Because if you had to really look at it, Chiesa is a hes a prototypical Bayern winger. I think he would be an excellent fit. But the problem with Chiesa is that obviously right now he is a Fiorentina player, but he is... On loan with Juventus, who I believe has an obligation to buy uh, Chiesa in their contract. And I can't imagine Juventus would let one of Italy's top young players just leave Serie A and head to Germany. It just seems incredibly unlikely that that would happen. Uh, I, I think he's a fantastic player. I love watching him play. Super exciting. Brings a lot to the table. He's fast. He's dynamic with his ability to cut in. And he's got a great shot, and I think he's actually a much better fit for Bayern Munich than any of the wings that they currently have right now. Uh, And it's not to say that, you know, I don't want to knock those guys. They're all great players in their own rights, and I I like all of them. But as we've seen over the years, uh, you know, they're all streaky. Kingsley Coman can be one of the best players on the planet one day and disappear the next. Leroy Sané has just tremendous ability, but he also... Uh, has ability to disappear as well. And Serge Gnabry was just incredibly hot and cold last season. So, um, you know, I would love to see Federico Chiesa in Germany. I would love to see Danny Olmo make the move to Bayern Munich. I don't think you'd see both players. In fact, I doubt you'll see either player at this point. I, I don't think, just given the way things are, that uh, obviously Chiesa is, is a realistic possibility. Uh, and Danny Elmo, while terrific, and while having that inherent knowledge of having played for Nagelsmann before, I don't really think that that's going to happen either. Just because at 80 million, if that's true, and that's what his release clause is, that's still going to be a lot of money next summer. The only way I could really see something like that happening is if uh, Byron is able to sell off Kingsley Coman, and if there's some kind of rampant change of philosophy in terms of how the club feels about Leroy Sané and. Listen, it would seem incredibly odd for that to happen, but we did see Brazo state just a couple of weeks back that this is kind of a show me year for Sane. Like he got a pass last year, and uh, you know not a lot was expected of him. One, he was coming off an injury, and uh, I think everyone should give him a bit of a pass for that because it's it's really hard to come back from an ACL tear and perform at your top level in your first year back from that. Uh, You know, he was also given a bit of a pass from the club because it was his first year at the club and he was going to have an acclimation period. And, you know, obviously with COVID going on, there's not, it was not a normal year by any means. And and like we've talked about, Sonny actually had some decent numbers uh, over the course of the season, uh, but he was very frustrating to watch. Uh, At times it appeared he quit, but at other times, you know, he, he, defied a lot of the myths about him you know sometimes he was tracking back like a madman and and was a great defender and other times he was frustrating to watch with poor decisions uh kind of a refusal to use his right foot which hurt him on several occasions so uh you know obviously byron has a wealth of talent at wing uh, a lot of ability there but it's just a matter of of those players being able to do things consistently and um, I think it's a it's really a show me are not just for Sane, but for all three. I think Serge Gnabry probably has the most rope to play with. Uh, Kingsley Coman obviously has his own contract negotiation <laughs> issues. So uh, you know, while this Danny Almo slash Federico Chiesa rumor is kind of crazy, uh, and while many people would like to see both of those players, I, I can't see either one ending up with Bayern Munich. So um, I just thought that was pretty interesting to check out and hear about uh, you know, at the tail end of Nagelsmann's week here, just to hear that, that kind of thing come out that, you know, who he likes and who he would prefer. It was, it was, it was kind of cool to see and hear. And, uh, you know, if true, it's kind of a big deal. So, um, you know, in the final kind of the final thing I wanted to touch on was a a guy we've affectionately, uh, called here at BFW, the hashtag step over King. And, And while we say that in jest, I will tell you that there are a segment of us that that we really do like Mikael Cuisance. Uh, And and obviously, this is a player who uh, I think he's got really good ability. He's got excellent footwork, good technical skill. He's got a pretty good left foot. He can place the ball where he wants it when shooting. Uh, Unfortunately for him, I think he's, and again, I'm speaking just by what I, I read and what I've seen. He seems like a pretty immature guy. Um, this is a kid who probably came to Bayern Munich a year or two before he was ready to maturity-wise. Obviously, physically, he's not the biggest guy, but he's got the ability to play at the top level, and he's got that technical skill that I think everyone desires out of a top-flight player. Uh, He has just seemed to burn bridges at at every stop that he's had, and that's kind of unfortunate uh, because I do think he's, he's a very good talent. And I, I'll be honest. I would love to sit down and talk to him about his last three years here, and just, you know, talk to him and get his idea of like, you know, what he has learned from all of these stops. What did he learn at Munchen Gladbach? What did he learn in that one season at Bayern Munich before he moved on to Marseille? I I would love to know what that whole loan experience was like and what he took out of it. Because at first it started like last season, I I would have sworn this kid was going to have a huge year because he was talking big. He went in and everybody at Marseille was raving about him and wanted to see him play. And he started out great. And then he just faded badly. And I think it's fair to ask as much as I don't, Think that he's a fraud or anything, but I think it's fair to ask: Is he going to make it? Is he capable of playing for a top club? Because he has now had a couple of years here, even at his young age, where things have not worked out well for him, and it's kind of been insinuated in a couple areas that he has attitude problems. It's not the first time we've heard it, um you know. And I think everyone assumed that he was going to stick around in France after this after last season, and that's just where how things would end, and it. I think it was somewhere around ten to fifteen million, as an option to buy. That they, you know, that this was going to happen, but with COVID, uh, that changed the finances of everything. And uh, unfortunately, Cuisance just did not perform as well as I think he hoped, as Marseille had hoped, or as Bayern Munich had hoped. So, um, you know, when why we're talking about him is that, you know, he's being going again. If we believe what we're reading. Uh, Quisantz is going to be given the opportunity to earn his spot back at Bayern Munich. Now, that could just be uh, the club and Julian Nagelsmann just putting out the word that they're going to give this kid a chance, not just to boost his confidence, but to increase the competition on the squad. Um, I think anyone seen him play knows he has that talent. It's just a matter of can he put it all together, maintain a good attitude and a good mindset, and figure out a way to break through on his own. Now, if Byron gives him the chance, I think that could solve some of the depth issues that they have in the central midfield. And I, for one, have kind of been a little bit worried and have I've been advocating to bring in another player to provide some depth behind Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich and Mark Rocha and Quarantan Tolisso. I'm still kind of amazed that Tolisso is... <laughs> Still on the team, I thought for sure this summer he would be gone, probably by now, because he's just too talented to be the third wheel in a two-man pivot. Uh, and while I don't think that Bayern Munich should go out and and buy another midfielder, I think that you know obviously my my preference would be to use a homegrown player or a young player that's been with the second team, or to go out and get a player on a free transfer, a veteran that would be able to shift in between an attacking role and a defensive role. But it doesn't look like any of that's going to happen. It looks like that either Bayern Munich is going to, going to be a bit undermanned at some point in the midfield, or they're going to have to rely on a player like Cuisance or, or maybe even Torben Rhein could come up from Bayern Munich too at some point. Um, I think that's a name that's going to be very interesting for Julian Nagelsmann at some point, because I think he's so well regarded in Germany that he's going to have to break through a Bayern Munich sooner rather than later or Bayern's going to risk losing him. Uh, It just seems like he's been referred to as one of Germany's next great midfielders. So if he does not get the first team opportunity within the next year, I would say if he doesn't get it this season, he's probably going to be out. So it's it's a big year for a player like him. It's a big year for Cuisance. And I'd love to see the hashtag Over King make it at Bayern Munich. I really would. I think he's got some talent. I think he's got a lot of flair to his game, and that makes him fun. Uh, for as good as Bayern Munich is, they don't have a lot of players that consistently go out and show that kind of flair where they don't just want to beat you. They want to embarrass you. I think when that kid is that confident, he can play like that. But for whatever reason, whether it's his attitude or whether it's confidence or whatever, he has not been able to put that together consistently. And we all know the last thing Bayern Munich needs is another inconsistent player. So uh, I will be following Kuisance's situation very closely. Uh, It it is, to me, one of the more interesting subplots that we'll see in this training camp. Because I I think for a lot of people, when you look at the young players that are out there that are kind of on the edge of either going out on another loan or going to be sold, like we can look at Joshua uh, Joshua Zerksi and say that he's probably gone. Um, I don't think he wants another season at Bayern Munich 2 in the Regional Liga. I think he's going to want a first-team role, and I don't think that is happening at Bayern Munich this year simply because they have Robert Lewandowski, they have Choupo, and they could always push Thomas Muller up or Serge Gnabry over. They just don't need Xerxes uh, at this point. And it's probably safe enough to just let him go and cut ties and let him start over, get a fresh start somewhere else, and maybe revive his career. Because clearly right now it's it's not working out at Bayern Munich for him. But on the other hand, you have a player like Chris Richards, who another young kid caught up in a numbers game, supremely talented. You know, I've been advocating for him to go to Hoffenheim again. I think it would be the best possible move, and it seems like that is the way, uh, at least according to the most recent reports that Byron is leaning, uh, you know what we saw this week was that Richards um, that the club loves him. They love his ability, they love his talent. They also know that they are in such a numbers crunch right now that they can't give him the playing time he needs. And you know, if Hoffenheim will take him again, it is the best scenario for him to play with Sebastian Honas, who is a coach that likes him, understands his game and has confidence in him, it's the best-case scenario for the kid. I hope it happens. Uh, so, you know, those are examples of the young players and how differently things can go for, for the kids on the Bayern campus as they're trying the best they can to make it into the first-team roster. It's just not easy. I would like to see the club put a little bit more faith in some of their young players, but obviously they've gotten it right on a couple of them right now because, you know, Fita Arp is now off on loan and Holstein-Keel Kiel. Xerxes is trying to figure out his own future it seems like he'll be out on loan again um, but you know when you have players that can't break through you end up losing some as well which is you know what we saw with angelo stiller this summer moving to hoffenheim so it is a double-edged sword to have such a talented first team uh, but it does at times render your campus useless which is extremely unfortunate But anyway, let's see how Cuisance handles this. If he truly is being given the opportunity to break through, I hope he embraces it and has a good attitude. And if he doesn't, eh, you know, I'm sure we're going to hear about it. This wouldn't be the first time. And uh, that would be unfortunate for a kid that has so much natural talent uh, just to, you know, for lack of a better term, kind of uh, uh, piss it away, to be honest. So hopefully he doesn't do that. Uh, I'd like to see the kid make it. But uh, that'll about do it for this week. Uh, I've had a crazy week personally. I've been like basically running my kids all over, uh, everywhere, uh, between states over the course of this week. So I, I appreciate you guys hanging in on this one being, you know, recorded a little bit later and I'll get it posted within a couple of minutes of finishing the recording. So, uh, thanks for hanging in. Thanks for checking this out as always hit me up on the barrel blog. Uh, you know, we've got some fun things going on. Twitter right now, with talking about power ballads, uh, Tom Adams and I, and also Russ has chimed in on our Slack channel about it. So I'd love to hear some of your power ballads, Uh, some of your favorites. I went with uh, Skid Row there with uh, I Remember You. So uh, uh, let uh, let me know what yours are. I know Tom would love to hear them too over on our main account. So thanks for hanging in with us, and we will see you next week.